message I'm going to speak today is something that's been spoken so many times, but when I think about the power of this message, it should be spoken every week. Because the attack we come under in this natural world and in our mind tells us that we are alone. You know, last week I, my message was alone and waiting for the promise. We talked about Joseph and having that prophetic uh, vision of his life, of uh, everyone bowing down before him and how he was sold into slavery and all that he went through as that promise was tested in his life. And it took 13 years from the age he was 17 until he was 33 before that promise came about. And every negative circumstances actually worked for his promotion that that gift that God gave him of interpreting dreams could come out and affect Egypt and Pharaoh and the future of both uh, the Jews and all of the Egyptian people. And it's a powerful promise when we receive what God says to us. And those of you who have been praying, praying for Dory, she's doing that, uh, mon that conference in Montana, she said incredible things are happening, and she thanks everyone for their prayers. She has all kinds of stories to tell. Uh, she said the prophetic was just on her, and it's, a, it's all these churches that are, aren't really uh, focused on the gifts or whatever, but they were all open to prophetic words and the power of God. Her friend from childhood got so filled with the Holy Spirit that she was laughing and, uh, and just totally experiencing God, and she is so excited. Uh, when she comes back, we're going to have more stories to, to hear. But I wanted to talk today about the promise, and the promise is a person. The promise is the person of the Holy Spirit that is offered to us. It's something that we need more than anything, more than uh, great words or great gifts that we can receive by God for our own personal use. Receiving Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit into our life is the most powerful promise that we can receive because with the Holy Spirit with us, we are not alone. And yet, hopefully, you'll be able to recognize in your life today that you are going through difficult things and you may feel alone, but it's a lie. The Holy Spirit is with us. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you are immediately given the Holy Spirit as a seal that to shows that God is on you and no one can take you out of his hands. We may go through seasons where you know, we're, we're not uh, doing the best we can. We, we see sometimes we, we feel like we're backsliding and we're, we're not walking with God. But it is something that happens. When we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life, there is such an impartation of his presence with us. There's such a, uh, like a, um, uh, something that so happens that even when sometimes we start going astray, we cannot walk away from him. That the power of the blood of Jesus and resurrection life and him living inside of us, we cannot go astray too long where we are just confounded with our, our decisions to walk away from God and we find ourselves coming back and repenting. That's why Jesus gave so many good examples in the Bible of human people who failed and yet in their failure they rose up and they surrendered their life to God again. And God used their life to restore and cause them to be a great men and women that represented the kingdom of God. Excuse me, I have a few tears flowing today. Luke's account of the risen Jesus in Acts 1, 1 through 3. Luke wrote Acts in this account. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of these things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Our key verses 
It's the promise of the Father. Jesus' followers are told to wait for the greatest promise that they could ever receive. And that promise is extended to everyone since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it started in the New Testament church. It started through the 12 apostles. And after they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost or at Pentecost. And this is Acts 1, 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, his followers, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And if you find yourself a little bit kind of on your own today or wondering like, what has happened to me? Maybe it's time to step back and wait again for the promise. Wait for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh confirmation that the promise has come into your life and the promise that unfolds greater promises and greater connections with God and greater fruitfulness in your own life. The promise is a person. The person is the Holy Spirit. And why was the promise withheld? In John 7, 37 through 39, on the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this is he who spoke. He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had not paid for our sins, and so the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, the return to God that had been lost since Adam and Eve had sinned and brought the whole world into sin, had not been paid for. And so when Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of the world, there was a clear access open that the Holy Spirit and the power of God could come and live with us again, just like Adam and Eve walked in that intimate, deep fellowship with God in the garden. But we know when they disobeyed that sin entered, their spirit died, and they could no no longer be in God's presence because of the glory of God, because of who he was. They would have just been terminated. But now we see that Jesus has paid the way. He's ushering in a whole new move. And this is the time we live in right now. It's the age of the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit age. It's what Joel prophesied. What does living water flowing from our heart look like? What does that look like to you? What does that living water flowing out of your heart look like? It's a, to me, it's a walk of faith. It's no matter what you feel like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, that you're believing that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And you're learning not to go by what you see, and you're learning not to go by negative feelings and fears and emotions, but you're learning to walk by faith each moment of your life, each day of your life, because the living Jesus lives inside of you. Oh, yeah, there are things that cause us to tremble. There's things that we're overwhelmed about, financial problems, physical problems, problems with people, problems in families. There's all these different things that come up before our mind and our emotions, and they cause us to feel like we're alone. We're, in, we're not in this. God, we're not in this with anyone else. God has somehow, for me in my life, and Satan will whisper this to you, oh, God has separated himself for you for a while. He's not with you. The Holy Spirit has been lifted off you. Those are lies. Jesus, who began a good work in you, when he gave you the Holy Spirit, he has not left. But I tell you, the things that you're going through are calling you to rise up and let the living waters, let the living presence of Jesus, the confidence of who God is, for you to live moment by moment in faith that Jesus Christ is with you. 
from our, uh, we're going to do a, uh, so appreciate of uh, Jay, how he takes over our small groups, and we're going to be starting and Thrive, the crash of the chatterbox. And we're starting to deal more and more with the things that, that come against us, the thoughts and the conversations that affect our, our spiritual condition and the reality of who we are as Christians, that we are overcomers and we are living with someone greater than ourselves. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit resident inside us, irregardless of what we feel, irregardless of what our mind tells us. It's a thing that's from our heart. And those of you who know Jesus Christ in your heart, you know he's real. You know he speaks. I often, as this person who has very strong thoughts and very deep emotions, I would love to feel God every minute of the day in my soul, but it's not a reality. I have moments where I may hear a song or, or feel God's presence, and I love those moments, but a lot of times they're just moments. I have to live my life by faith. I have to face the opposition that I face by faith. I have to step in and do the will of God that is for me, pick up my cross. It's by faith, believing that in the moments that I need the power of God, he's going to step in and be in me. From flesh to spirit. In John 3, 6, Jesus said, humans cannot produce, humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Are you feeling dead in an area today? Are you feeling hopeless? I tell you, the Holy Spirit is in you to birth a new life, to birth a new expectation, to birth a new hope, to birth a new uh, way to believe and to see and to know that God is going to be different than how it's been today, that my life is going to change. I was talking to someone yesterday, and uh, I was talking to, uh, actually I was talking to um, Jack Willis, and he sends his greetings to you. But we were talking about uh, just the contrariness of this life. You know, it's just, it's so opposing. And it's just something that we are constantly struggling with or dealing with, what we see, what we feel, what we hear. John 6, 63, Jesus said this, The Spirit alone gives life, eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. It is so important to get into this book and to read this book over and over and over again because they are the words of life. They impart ability to believe beyond the onslaught of the enemy. You know, Paul said in that verse, forgetting those things which are behind. Oh, I was talking to Jack yesterday. I said, oh, Jack, if we for could forget the things that are behind. But the trouble is, unless we have Alzheimer's, that we constantly remember our faults and failures. We constantly remember how to disqualify ourselves and feel like we're not good enough. Or we have to go to, to another, we have to have another spiritual experience before we can carry out the will of God in our life. And it's really not true. We see those apostles from the very moment they're filled with the Spirit, they just start stepping into doing things, and God would show up. That's the whole hard thing is the stepping in, the first thing. We want to see everything in order, everything in line, and feel this great emotion before we step up. I tell you today, I woke up this morning in fear and trembling because I had to speak. Oh, I wish that I would feel overwhelmed by the Spirit all the time. No, I have to step up, and then God steps in. The Holy Spirit comes alive in me, and he comes alive because his word is true and because the things he has to say are true. You know, Jesus does a heart surgery for us of changing us, of separating our old sinful nature from our new nature in Christ. It's called circumcision. Circumcision is a, a deep spiritual thing that happens in our heart when we're born again and go into the waters of baptism. And in Philippians 3, uh, 3 this is from the... Modern English version, Paul says this, We are the circumcision 
who worship God in the Spirit and boast in Christ Jesus, and we place no trust in our flesh. Andrea? Yeah, okay. Pastor asked me to share a testimony that I've been sharing with him. So, I don't know, for maybe the last month or so, I feel like God kept giving me Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Over and over and over. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you can have a scripture that you've read like a million times. But for some reason, in this season, God keeps giving you Proverbs 3. And it says that we're to trust God with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. And I kept saying, okay, God, what is that? What does that mean? And I just kept praying it and kept reading it. And one day I was standing upstairs in my hallway praying that scripture that is very familiar. I know most of you, you've heard it. And all of a sudden I went like this and I was tired because I'd been cleaning upstairs, vacuuming, and I was tired. So I went like this and I leaned against my wall. And all of a sudden I knew exactly what he meant. Lean not on your own understanding. When do you lean? When you're tired. When you need a rest. When things are hard. When you're in the middle of a struggle. When you don't understand things around you, what do you do? You lean into something that you know is there. You're all sitting on chairs right now. Why are you doing it? Because you know that it's there. It's physically present. You trust that that chair will hold you. I felt like God just spoke and said, Andrea, you are leaning on all these things that you know in the past have held you. My own thinking, my education, my gifts, my own abilities, my friends, you name it. It could be whatever it is for you. But he said, stop leaning on those things that you've always used in the past and come out here and stand on faith. Stand with me. You're not going to be able to understand everything. (laughs) You're just not. And if you could, then it really wouldn't be God, would it? (laughs) I really don't want a God like that because then I can put him in my box. And then he's not really God because I'm manipulating him. It's going to take something of faith. And the more I looked at that, trust in that scripture means faith. It translates faith other places. Stand in it. And immediately I started to repent. Oh, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. He's not asking us to do it perfectly. He's just saying, stop leaning on yourself. Stop leaning on this. And start trusting that I'm there. He's there. He's here right now. It doesn't matter. He's here just as real as that chair is that you're sitting on. Just trust it. Believe in it. Stop looking to the things that you use to feel better. Trust him. He is who he says he is. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and boast in Christ Jesus and place no confidence, no trust in the flesh, no trust in our human effort. And so when you get up in the morning and you're immediately 
the enemy is good about reminding us of the problem that we face. Too bad he doesn't remind us of how Jesus is with us. You know, it's interesting he chooses the different things that he reminds us of. Or reminds us of the sins of our past or our weaknesses and our failure. But Jesus is our confidence. Our confidence is in the person of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. And when we wake up in the morning, it's not, less he's, it's not like he's shouting out. And I, like I told you a few minutes ago, I'm a person that has a lot of feelings and emotions and a lot of thoughts, and I want to feel God a lot. And some of you, I told this, but a few, a few months back, I was taking somebody home, and I mean, here I, it was just a Sunday after church. I'm taking this person home, and the Holy Spirit says to me, this guy's going to throw up in your truck. I looked over, and he's about ready, projectile top, bottom in my truck. Wow. I pull over, he gets out, does his thing. And I'm thinking, wow, God, I'm looking for this big thing with you, and you simply say, this guy's going to throw up. <laughs> That's the kind of God he is. That's the kind, he is there with us. He is there when we need him. And we need, when we need to hear him speak, he speaks. He speaks loud and clear. He speaks down in our spirit. It's almost like you have ears down here. When you accept Jesus Christ, your spirit comes alive, and you have ears to hear what he says to you. And then you decide with your mind, am I going to cooperate and listen or not? I cooperate. I pulled over and I listened. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that gives us the person of the Holy Spirit. In John 1, 32-34, And John the Baptist bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, upon Jesus. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. It is Jesus. It is Jesus that has given the right and the power to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he paid for our sins. He was our brother. He was the one that took on the sins of the world for ourselves. And so now he has the one to impart the power of God back upon us, the Holy Spirit, because he has made the way to, to bring us back into fellowship with God that was lost in the garden. Jesus has limitless Holy Spirit power. You know that part where it says uh, Spirit was descending on Jesus and remaining on him? If you are saved, the Holy Spirit is on you. If you've received an, another additional thing, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is an empowerment on your gifts and empowerment for you to, to live as an overcoming believer, uh, he's remaining on you. Irregardless of what you feel in this moment, irregardless of what you feel in that moment when you've given yourself to, swear, to say a few swear words, you've gotten angry at somebody, you've blown up with someone, and the enemy is saying, oh, you're not a Christian anymore. Oh, you shouldn't be talking like that. Oh, look what you did. Oh, 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 oh. No. The Holy Spirit remains on you. The Holy Spirit remains on us, and all we have to do is say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me for losing it, because we are a mixture of flesh and spirit. We are in process of growing stronger and stronger, being more filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered, and learning how to bring our old nature under submission and realize it's been crucified. It's already dead in Christ. But Jesus has limitless power. In John 3, 34, Jesus is sent by God. He speaks God's word, for God gives Jesus the Spirit without limit. There is no shortages of the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus has this limitless amount of the Holy Spirit, he has a limit, limitless amount to pour into us. 
Sometimes we think, oh, maybe there's just not enough for me. No, there's plenty for you. There's more than you can handle. That's why sometimes when people get baptized in the Spirit, they're out of it. Uh, when Dory was talking about her friend Carol, who got baptized in the Holy Spirit the other night, she was laughing. She was like hysterical, and she could barely stand. I mean, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. We were given at new birth, and at the point where the Spirit comes into us, we're given a different spirit. There comes a greater separation from the spirit of the world. We have a greater understanding that there is a different spirit out there, and the world is going in a certain direction. It has certain beliefs and things that are ongoing, and yet it's different from what we experience from the spirit of God and living as a believer. In John 20, 22, and when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. This is that point in John 20, right after the resurrection, right before Jesus ascended, where he knew he had paid for everyone's sins and the Holy Spirit age was about to be rushed in and he just breathes on his disciples and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. But the promise was still to come. The promise that would be poured out on all the earth the promise from Joel. In Acts 2, 3-4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the day of firstfruits of the Holy Spirit, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing and mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just empowered the believers first in an upper room. And again, they had waited for a number of weeks in that place, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit, the promise is now being poured out, even today. Even today, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be refreshed and refilled today with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just feel, feel it's gone through a dry season. I tell you, you come up today and get prayed for, you're going to have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. He wants us filled and overflowing with His presence because it brings and renews the joy because the Holy Spirit in us is, brings that joy that's different from natural joy. And sometimes we go through situations, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm, I want everything in a certain order in my life before I'll receive, and it's never that way. But that's just the way I think and feel. But sometimes joy is ready to be released in your life, the joy of God, but it's almost like you have all these parameters in place where I can let myself be joyful if all these things are, are solved. But, you know, you get them solved, and there's going to be something else you're going to have to wait for. But believe that the joy that God has for you wants to be released today, irregardless of your circumstances immediately change. Receive the promise. Okay, now... Jesus now has the promise because he bought the way. He now has the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is the one he's going to pass on to the world. In Galatians 3.14, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's us, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Back when Abraham was prom promised, it was really the ultimate promise was what going to be to us was the Holy Spirit that all these patriarchs and all these people that were going to be born and all the generational inheritance to be people of God, the bottom line was when it got to us in the New Testament, when Jesus had died for our sins, is that the blessing of Abraham 
which was the Holy Spirit coming into our life, that we would have God living inside of us, that presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us and be with us. In Galatians 3.14, the blessing of Abraham coming on us. When we receive the Holy Spirit, you're taking into the home of your heart a very loving and powerful person. That's pretty profound, huh? You're letting someone move into your heart, a very loving and powerful person. Sometimes we try to take people in there. Uh, they hurt us and they leave or whatever. But you take in the comforter. You take in someone that will never leave you, but someone that will always comfort you and always support you. The Holy Spirit with you and in you, John 14, 16. Jesus promises a person, Holy Spirit, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. You know what a helper is? It's like a supporter. I remember in, in a season change after I'd been a janitor for five years at the aerospace company I worked for, that I got to go into another department. And um, at, in this department, I was sometimes sent to help different people. Like some of the times the helpers would go help the riggers, or sometimes the helpers would go help the electricians. Sometimes they'd go help the plumbers. Sometimes they'd, they'd help just the construction crew, but a helper. Now, the helper is not the person who is actually responsible, but the helper is assisting. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life and my life to take over, but to support us as we live for God and do the things that God calls us to do. Sometimes we want Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do things that we should be doing. We in our society more and more are taught comfort. The more robots are coming on the scene, they want you to stay at home. They don't even want you to go out and buy your groceries anymore. They want someone else to bring your groceries to you, someone else to bring your, your junk food to you. You know, We're in this place of this mentality of our society. It's like the enemy's mentality to put us to sleep. And really, we need to be alive and productive. And we need to be who we're supposed to be. But when we need help, the powerful Holy Spirit is going to come alongside and do what we can't do. Or he's going to give you a word that encourages you. Or if you're operating in spiritual gifts, he's going to implement that gift through you because you position yourself to be responsible so that God can move through you. In verse 17, it says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Holy Spirit is with you and the Holy Spirit is in you. And you have to remember that. Almost like maybe you need to write that somewhere every morning so you see it. So when you tend to go to your problem, uh, taking on problems and uh, negative things that you remember, Holy Spirit is with me, Holy Spirit is in me. I'm not alone. I'm not facing it alone. And it doesn't mean you may have little butterflies, little anxious feelings, but I tell you, as you step in there, God's going to unfold his wisdom because he's there, ready to speak to you, ready to encourage and help you. The world and our life tell our physical senses that we are alone. Spiritual opposition in our world try to separate us from our person, the Holy Spirit, given to us for right now. The New Testament renews our mind to the reality of the Holy Spirit present with us as a fact or reality, regardless of what we think or feel. That's what we have to take out here today, and we have to remember every moment of the day, God is with me. The Holy Spirit is with me. 
I have these incredible problems that we pray about and we keep giving to God and we ask for his wisdom to see the way he wants to move or to see the answers that are coming, to recognize so we position ourselves to receive those things that we need. The Holy Spirit, this is the the whole truth of the Gospels. The Holy Spirit sends people into hostile places. Jesus was one of those. Just like the the patriarchs of old and the heroes of faith from the Old Testament, like uh, like Joseph that we talked about last week, he was sent in incredibly hard situations, but God was with him and brought fruitfulness and fulfillment for his gift as he stayed in those places. In Mark 1, 9-11, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, coming up out from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit is on him. God is talking. And here's the next thing. This is Mark 1, 12-13. Immediately, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days tempted of the devil and was with wild wild beasts. Immediately. This is the only gospel. Mark is the only gospel where the word drove is used in connection with the Holy Spirit. Every other place the Holy Spirit leads, he's very gentle and loving, but it was important in Jesus' mission to be the Savior of the world that he first be tested. He's full of the Holy Spirit, now he's tested. You may find some of your hardest moments when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and now the tests you begin to go through. Don't get shaken, don't get upset. Satan's allowed to buffet you and tempt you and test you because The powerful Holy Spirit person has been put inside of you. But use the Holy Spirit in you to overcome every test and to stand strong and have your character develop so that you become a strong man and woman for God, that you have strong ability to discern the gifts of God and who God is in your life and to counter the negative thoughts and feelings that try to separate you from being the person God wants you to be. Another person that... uh, was sent to hostile places was good old Paul the Apostle. Throughout Acts, you read, he's referred to Saul, 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 and then once in a while, Paul. First, he has that conversion in Acts 9, 3 through 9. And Jesus says, hey, Paul, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you know he was out persecuting the church, throwing people in jail, consenting that they would be uh, murdered. And then after that, that, that confrontation with Jesus on the road, he's commissioned. And in Acts 9, 6, he is told, you will be told what you must do. He uses the word go. He, he commissions us. He sends us. Again, it's contrary to the world. The world says, find the most comfortable, easy place you can find. Get comfortable at work. Do as little miles work as you can. Get your paycheck. Jesus says, go into the midst of everything. Apply yourself. Work. Be that person that is so on the forefront that you need help. Then you can feel the Holy Spirit manifest. A lot of times we don't see God because we're not putting ourselves in the go, not putting ourselves in the sand where it's uncomfortable and our emotions are, uh, are all mixed up and we have a little fear. We've got to put ourselves in everyday life, 
then the confidence of the Holy Spirit can come through us. He's told, he sees a vision, he's blinded, and God uses Ananias to bring his sight back. He's told in Acts 9.15 that he is a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. Wow. It's incredible. Sometimes the Holy Spirit tells you things you don't want to hear. Oh, and by the way, you are going to suffer. You're going to be thrown in prison. You're going to be beaten. But I tell you, if God tells you a negative thing like that, he's going to get you through that. I've told you this in the past. It will be three years this year that I've, I've been free from cancer. But I remember about four years before, every so often, I'd hear him say, you're going to get cancer. And i go, no, I rebuke you, devil. I'm not going to get cancer. John 16, 13 says, the Holy Spirit in you will tell you things to come. Sometimes you find yourself stepping out because the Holy Spirit's saying something to you, and you feel like you're all alone. You feel like, okay, I'm out here, and nothing's happening. Hang on. If he told you to get out there, and you're standing alone, he's going to show up. So he's, he's going through different places. Um, he's preaching. He's ministering. But there was a 14-year period that after he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, water baptized, where he was kind of off the scene and not doing anything. God was developing character in Saul that he might step into a greater call that was on his life. They tried to kill him uh, by a plot in Acts 9.13. The Hellenists tried to kill him in Acts 9.29. He's taught, uh, he teaches many people in Antioch and different places in the synagogues. He's connected with Barnabas in there, uh, talking with different people. He deals with a sorcerer and casts out the demonic spirit upon him. He's preaching Moses in the resurrection in Acts 13. He um, goes through persecution everywhere he goes. But after persecution in Acts 13.50, he is filled with joy. He is filled with joy. Okay, it has to be God on us if we're going to be filled with joy after we've just been persecuted or beaten and left for stoning. He heals a crippled man in Acts 14.9. He's actually stoned to death in Acts 14.19. The disciples gather around him after he's dragged, he's beaten to death, dragged out of the city because he's old rubbish now. The disciples gather around him and he gets up. I mean, come on. Why can't we believe that God's going to do stuff like through us today, that we will see miraculous things if we believe that the Holy Spirit is with us? If we get out of our own safe thinking and keep positioning ourselves to be on that cutting edge of either being a fool or a person that God will move through to touch someone else. Paul speaks about life's realities just after he went through that stoning, he was raised from dead. He says this in Acts 14.22. He strengthened the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we, that's not just him, we must through many tribulations enter into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is with us and it is in those defining moments of persecution or tribulation or intense persecution or troubles or where the Holy Spirit shows up and manifests himself and there's great victories that are revealed to us. Some of those tests and trials may go on for a while. You know, Diane's been saying 14 years, now she's back with us. That was a long test and trial. That was a lot of pain, a lot of time in her room, just waiting in pain. I don't know how long your situation is going to last, but don't give up because your situation is glaring before your face. If your finances are defying that you're ever going to make it, 
Keep asking God as the supplier of your need to open the windows of heaven. Keep asking God to open your eyes to see what you need to reposition yourself or maybe change a job or be open to some way he wants to bless you. The Holy Spirit sends us into the wilderness of the world. All physical senses say to us, the Holy Spirit has left me. In Acts 13, 9, Saul, who is also called Paul, filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, 8, the first part of the verse, it says, Peter, because he was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit, said, our goal should be, God, fill me to the most I can hold. Not that we're staggering like drunk people, like the people when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit in, in Acts 2, where it, they thought that they were drunk because it was only 9 o'clock in the morning and they were all like drunk. They were so full of the Holy Spirit. But let us be so filled with the Holy Spirit that we are facing opposition and negative feelings and controversies and slander and whatever it is. You may be being persecuted at work, but you believe that you believe that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. And you are going to stand on that. If nothing ever changes, if you're like one of those heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 where it says, and some of them did not receive the promise, waiting and expecting something better.